everyone, and welcome to the Unknown Gaming Podcast, a podcast where we talk about anything and everything related to gaming, tech, and occasionally, a little slice of life. This week, we're going to talk about future episode ideas. And I'm going to start out with one of the ones that would kind of be a logistical challenge, considering my setup at the moment. But, we're going to talk about how we would do an episode where we would compare differences between a remake and the original. See what they added in, took out, made easier, made harder, whatever. Uh, there are a couple games we can do this with. Uh, there is Mario RPG Legend of the Seven Stars. It's coming out, I think it's next month, end of October. And I am super, super excited for that. That will be a later episode, like a, a really late episode uh, when I get it. Because I actually have never completed Mario RPG Legend of the Seven Stars. Paul, my roommate, has. He's more excited about the game than I am. He is excited to see what they added in. Because they have added in some stuff. Uh, and then there's... There is, uh, I gotta think, Legend of Zelda, the various games on the N64... And I don't know if the Super Nintendo games have ever gotten a re-release. Um, uh, I want to do Metal Gear, but I don't have like the PS1 or PS2 games. Um, I could do... I suppose I couldn't do Castlevania. That one wouldn't work because... They haven't re like they've technically they've remade one. They've remade one and people have remade I think two and three. So it's not that I couldn't do that, it's just I want something that's more official uh from like Konami or something. That's why I wanted to do like Metal Gear Solid because you're making like I don't know if they're remaking or just remastering Metal Gear, but I would want to actually cover Metal Gear in general um, as a future episode. Um, something, too, that I've learned over, like, the last couple months, I actually need to get my Switch set up again so I can test out something. Uh, so for people that don't know and are unaware, I'm still running Linux. I'm running a different distribution, which is something I'll get into in the next segment as to why and what the purpose of the Switch was, um, and how that was negated, but I wanted to test if it's, like, because there are certain Elgato capture cards that do run with Linux, there are some that don't be. The capture cards that I have, I think it's like the HD60S+, Plus, or maybe it's just the HD60S, it's the one that plugs into the computer and is not in. It's the external capture, not the internal capture, essentially. I wanted to test if that could run with Linux. However, that would probably mean I would need to run something Ubuntu-based. So I'm not really in a big rush um, but it's one of those with the 
the episode ideas, I probably will play a game and just take notes on it. Um, take notes on, like, mechanics, uh, looks, soundtrack, bosses, and some, maybe, some random funny moments, if there are any. But with uh, the comparison episodes, those would be really fun just to see, again, what they've added, what they've changed, you know, and how, like, how much the, like, the difference is, like, some of the, I don't know how to put it, that's why I'm stumbling with this, is I don't know how to put it, the overall look and feel, I guess, um, of the game as well. See how much that's changed in however many years since the original's release. Um, there are a couple games that I want to do talk about, like I want to talk about, that I'm not sure they run on Linux. So like Chrono Trigger is another one that I've wanted to play. Like I saw it the other day. I'm like, oh, I have Chrono Trigger. I can talk about that. Um, especially with playing Sea of Stars, I could say, okay, here's what Chrono Trigger did that that was added in, or I could talk about Chrono Trigger in general because it's a very interesting game. I haven't gotten very far in it, but it, I think it's I think it's an interesting concept at least. Um, pardon me, I am looking at Twitter right now a little bit too because I saw something that actually caught my attention about uh, a NASCAR driver that got into some trouble. I don't know how long ago, but he got basically got booted from his ride. And I was thinking we would have an update on his, his future, but I don't think so. But, you know, that's another topic for another time. Uh, but in the next segment, we will talk about the Linux experiment and how that failed. Alright, we're going to talk about the Linux experiment, but before I begin with that, I would like to apologize for the last segment and blowing people's eardrums out. I hope this is a little better. Um, so the Linux experiment that I wanted to do was seeing if I could get Ulsa Mixer to work with my machine. My machine being the MSI, the one that I was running Mint on. Uh, because... I wanted to see if it was possible to get it to work without interfacing Pavu control and using Pulse Audio. However, we're going to go into some great detail about the setup and what the plan was before I even go into how it failed. So, ladies and gentlemen, this idea came about because I was just curious one day. Hey, do you think I, I actually told Bob, do you think I could do this? I want to try it and see if I can do it. And he goes, yeah, I think, go go for it, dude. Uh, he, he was like, okay, so you could either do Void or Arch. It doesn't matter. I was originally going to do Void, but when we installed Void, the, the problem was I wanted to use a window manager. Uh, that was my whole goal with this setup was using a specific like a window manager because I like using awesome window managers. So I was trying to get awesome set up and awesome just 
for some reason wouldn't work until we installed XFCE because that installs the theory that Bob and I have both posited is that it installs a library somewhere that Awesome needs to actually be able to start. Right? So the thing with Awesome was it would not uh, start. It would give me an an error saying cannot start display with an error code. Right? So I looked it up and we really couldn't find anything other than trying I, I don't remember what all we tried because that was a very kind of stressful day. Um, but eventually we got it to work by literally installing XFCE and rebooting. Um, awesome did not like the fact that I was trying to just boot straight into Awesome. For some reason, like even when I would do a init RC, it would fail to launch uh, Awesome after I, like, because we rebooted a couple times and it just didn't work. Um, after about two to three hours of getting it to work, or trying to get it to work, Bob was like, okay, okay, we're just going to run Arch, and we'll do the Arch install script. Because that'll probably be a little easier to follow than doing a full-on Arch install completely on your own following a guide. Which is usually how I would do it. It's following either the Arch wiki or a combination of things that I found actually relatively easy to follow. I know Ar the Arch wiki can be easy to follow, but if you don't know what you're doing, uh, like, and you're not confident, and you're like me, and you just get lost because you lose track of where you're at in the install process, <laughs> it, it gets to be kind of meh. But the Arch install script does wonders. It does really well. Um, and, but... I should probably go into what happened that made us go, okay, we're just going to use Arch. Or made me go, okay, I'm just going to use Arch now. Um, so we eventually got it to display on both screens. Then we unhooked the TV, like the HDMI cable that's hooked up to the TV. Um, and it, go, it, it didn't swap. So, like, if I shut the... Uh, the TV off. I don't think it detects it as a, a screen. Because it will, you know, flash saying we basically going, hey, we don't detect this as a screen anymore. So we're kind of fixing everything so it's all on one screen. Um, no, on Void, it wouldn't do that. It would literally, I would reboot. And it would load into the TTY, which is what I wanted. Then I would get Awesome to start. And my laptop screen would be a TTY. And then my TV screen would be something like... It would be Awesome itself trying to run. Which is not what I wanted. I wanted to have a dual monitor setup. So something like Arch actually worked a hell of a lot better. 
and I ended up installing, I think, XFCE or something like that to basically have a running desktop environment so you can actually test everything. Not that using Awesome would be a terrible idea for it. It's just having the settings and stuff that you can actually see that little applets made it a lot easier for me, I think. Cause then I'm not like, Oh, how do like, how do I do this? And what commands do I need to run? I'm like, Oh, I can find the, the audio thing by hitting the little music note and then hitting sound settings. You know what I mean? Like that's basically the whole, the whole thing. So we went, we did arches install, um, and then I spent two hours trying to, to fix my mic. The speakers work fine. The speakers were not the issue. If you're using Arch just to purely use Arch and not stream or record stuff, fine. It'll work fine right out of the box if you have uh, issues with your sound card. That's at least my opinion. That's my experience. That is my experience and mine alone. Um, however, you know... We had an, I had an issue. I say we, but I mean me. I don't know why I say we, but, uh, I had an issue where I couldn't get Alsa to pick up my mic and sense that I was using my mic. Um, so it was very much, uh, like, oh, I have to figure this out. And I, I tried to mess with Alsa Mixer itself and the microphone settings, but, that didn't work. I ended up having to create a, uh, I think it's a dot a sound file. And then trying to figure out how I could call the device and get it so that I could adjust the actual device audio levels. Because the thing with Arch is my freaking microphone will be so loud. It'll be so loud that I can't stand it. Like, Anytime I run Arch, I deafen anyone because the mic default is so loud. And I did have to adjust my mic because somebody was saying I was too quiet. And I adjusted my mic yesterday and uh, that's just not fun. So I ended up changing my mic settings back to something that would be a bit more manageable for my setup. And so I don't just completely deafen someone from how loud the mic is. It's not necessarily me. Uh, but it's one of those, I just, I don't know why it didn't work. I don't know enough about Ulsa to actually try again. Um, but even XFCE has the applet where you have to have pulse audio in order to, or no, Pavu control, which requires pulse audio to actually work. And the moment you install pulse audio is the moment it screws with my sound card, which the fix for that is not very hard. You go into also, you unmute, or yeah, you unmute your headphones, turn them up to the volume. Which usually I just turn them up to 100 and then turn the master volume to whatever sounds comfortable. Uh, but yeah, I spent two hours trying to get it to work and I was in 
Merglax's Discord server and one of the voice chats, testing it out. It didn't work. And I was kind of incredibly frustrated about that. Because I'm like, I just spent like the last four hours setting up a system for the experiment to be a failure. Um, the one thing I found really cool about Arch, at least in the updated ISO that I have, is I can now detect my secondary drive. However, I cannot detect and mount and write to a flash drive. So I was actually curious what was on one of my Ventoy drives. Because I was going to try and update all of my ISOs. So I wanted to know what each Ventoy drive contained. Well, you can't write anything by default to a flash drive in vanilla Arch. See, in all honesty, in something like Endeavor, you can just pop in a flash drive, see the contents of said flash drive, and then write. Because what I'm trying to do right now, or what I actually would have needed to do, is mount my 256 gig flash drive anyway. It's weird to say mount, but I would need to put in my 256 gig to get the project files for this most recent project. And if I can't, I can pull from that drive, but I can't write to it. So if I was going to back something up, I'd have to use something like Mega or Drive or something, you know. Um, but yeah, now I'm running Arch. I'm actually specifically running Endeavor because I like Endeavor and I don't have the weird flash drive issue that I don't really understand how to fix. And if, if it is a fix, I'd have to do it every time. Uh, I'd have to do parameters, and I know I can pass the parameters, but I don't know how to do that with the, you know, hey, this is how you do the, the flash drive thing where you can read and write. Because right now, uh, basically on Vanilla Arch, I'm not running Vanilla Arch, but what I've noticed is you can only read. You can't write. You can read and copy things over from, not to flash drive so yes i do consider that experiment a failure would i be willing to try it again maybe someday when i have a better understanding of ulsa in general um it's not that it's not that i wouldn't be willing to try again it's just that i don't understand it so i think the next section will be you know what did i learn from this experiment and what are some things that I kind of miss about using a stable distro? No, I'm kidding. Um, I love Arch, but, you know, I I want to give some basic guidelines. So this next section will actually be basic Arch guidelines that I follow. Some tips and tricks that I follow when running Arch would be, first of all, update your system at, at 
most every two weeks because you don't want to like break your system and then spend an hour or more trying to fix whatever broke. Um, that is something that was actually taught to me by Bob when I first started running Arch was, hey, you need to update your system like once every two weeks if you want to have an up-to-date system, which I do. And that's typically what you would do. If you want something that is bleeding edge, the most up-to-date software, you would want to do every week, which I typically do. I usually pick a day near the end of the working week or end of the work week. So I'm recording this on Thursday, so I will update my system tomorrow. I usually do Fridays at some point just to make sure, like, end of the day Friday, I, I have the chance to uh, say, hey, I've got my system up to date now, and it'll be up to date for probably the next week. It won't be the most up to date, but it's not worth updating every day. Um, I actually do have an upstream update, I guess, according to Arch. So, perfect timing, I can update my system tomorrow at some point and have a up-to-date system. So, yay! Um, something to, don't be afraid to read the wiki. Um, and don't be afraid to ask for help if something does break. You know, you can probably ask the forums or Reddit for help. That is something that I found very useful about Linux in general. You can actually reference other distros, like um, if there is an issue, most of them have the same fix. And it, it's, it's interesting. But it, it's one of those, um, you know, running Arch is not for everyone. Uh, I'm running it because I wanted to do an experiment. The experiment failed, and I'm just going to stick with Endeavor for right now because I actually like Endeavor a lot. Um, I do like Vanilla Arch, too. But I wanted to see if like switching to something like Endeavor would have affected my ability to play Castlevania, which it didn't. Castlevania does not work. I don't know why. It just... It works on certain distros. Uh, the two games that I would be playing work on certain distros. So I'm quite curious. You know, what the heck uh, causes that? And I, I don't know. Um, but I think that running Arch, again, it's not for everyone. Uh, it used to be a flex, and now it's like, eh. Um, but would I recommend some, what would I recommend for somebody that is first going into Linux? Something probably Ubuntu-based, I would actually recommend Mint myself, because that's probably how I got started. I don't remember 100% for sure, but, you know, Running something like a rolling release could be good if you want to learn how Linux works, especially doing the longer Arch install, like the full-blown, not using the install script, but doing the full process of the Arch install could be good for someone that wants to learn how Linux works and the, the various intricacies. And I could do most of the, the install myself. It's just trying to remember to root into your direct like into your main drive and then just making sure your your directories are right 
I think the one thing that I actually have the most problem with is the grub mk config command. Uh, that I could never master at all. At all. And I, I don't know why. But, you know, it is what it is. But, yeah, I think that'll be it for this episode. It's a bit of a shorter episode, but I am hoping to have a longer episode next week. So we will see you guys later. Bye-bye!